This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast, brought to you by FanDuel.com. You can go to FanDuel.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner, use my code RWPOD, that's R-W-P-O-D, sign up now. Special offer for new users, you get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $25 deposit. You must sign up with the code RWPOD, R-W-P-O-D, that's more than $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use my code R-W-P-O-D, Fandle.com, where every day is a new season, that's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com, sign up today. It's Chris Liss of Rotowire talking to Yahoo Sports Dalton Del Don. We took a couple weeks off, partly by choice, partly uh, through the schedule, partly because somebody has a, a drinking problem. But uh, but we also uh, yeah we hung out in, in L.A. also with the Yahoo guys. And yesterday Dalton was your birthday, so happy birthday! How old are you now? I am thirty four years old. Ah, thirty four. It's a very important year. You know it. I think after. 33 and a half, it goes downhill and you don't recover. Oh, I, I thought it was been, it's been a few years in my downward spiral, to be honest. But yeah, um, you're, you're certainly past your peak. That's, that's for sure. It was good seeing you in Los Angeles. I, um, I even, even ended up buying you dinner at a, at a really good, what was it called? Johnny's pastrami. That place was, was great at 1am. That was oh, awesome. You bought me dinner. I thought Yahoo paid for it. That was me. That was, that was on me. Did you pay for everybody's dinner or just mine? Everyone's. Ah, why didn't you just have the company pay for it? It wasn't that much. It was pastrami sandwich. It was like a hundred bucks. Oh. Whatever. I can oh, buy you. Well, thank you. I don't remember. I was actually pretty hammered. I do not remember. You were. You were. Yeah, I know. You, you I, were... I, I mean, I, I remember going there. I just don't remember who paid for it. Yeah. No, no, no. It was, it was, it was fine. It wasn't that much. And it was, it was a great night. And I can buy you guys dinner one time. It wasn't, it wasn't like we went a lavishly expensive meal or something. It was a, but it hit the spot at 1am. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I'm actually not happy about that. I mean, if you're going to take me out to a dinner now, you get credit for a dinner and it's not even an expensive one. And I didn't no, even know it because I was too hammered to consent. I would have said, no, I'll pay for my own. Thank you. You pay when it's more expensive. Yeah, well, apparently no one carries cash but me, and that place does not accept credit cards. So I, I was the only person who uh, we, we would have had to dine and dash if I was if I didn't. <laughs> did, did I not have cash either? But at least that's what you said. Oh, okay, wow, that's bad. I don't even remember that whole uh, conversation. I mean, I remember going there. I remember the food being good. Like, oh, it was really good. This is hitting really. the spot. And how look? How good is that? This is my days in LA of like partying when I was when I was single and going out a lot. And I happen to know that at like midnight on a Tuesday, and LA is not a late night city. It's not New York. Everything closes. That right. I'm like nearby. I think this place, Johnny's Pastrami, is nearby, and it was literally a quarter block away. Yeah, I was going to say not even a half block exactly. Yeah. And um, I love it because Andy Barron's always gives me a hard time. Uh, he even posts on Twitter a couple times in the morning when we're at these events. I he makes fun of me, my inability to finish meals. 
And that guy ordered a half a sandwich and passed out on the way home, didn't even finish it, and I bought it for him. And I ordered the full one and, and, and destroyed it. It was it was delicious. What a coward. How embarrassing. I know. I know. Believe me, I didn't let How him How shameful. Hear this podcast, I, I feel bad for him. I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. He'll be very ashamed if he listens. Yeah, I didn't let him hear the, the end of it the rest of the trip. Believe me. So I don't really see. I knew I was wasted, but it's so funny. You don't know that other people are wasted when you're you yourself are wasted. Like I had no idea if Barron's was wasted. I didn't even notice. He was hurting the whole next day. He, <laughs> he, he, he was. Uh, he made a, the next night a, a very short one. That's funny. Yeah. No, I was. I was pretty. I mean, that food was really necessary. I mean, I actually had to host the XM show the next morning, and I did it, but it wasn't. I it wasn't pleasant. Yeah, I know we had a meeting pretty pretty early too in Yahoo. Um, that wasn't. It would have been preferable to sleep in a little bit more. No, but I had to entertain like thousands of people. Is what I'm saying. Right. Right. It's not like this podcast where we're entertaining like 15 people. It's a whole different thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, I doubt it was, it was very entertaining. All right, let's talk a little baseball. We're moving on to baseball. Um, oh, but wait, before we do, uh, so how much money did you lose on the NFL playoffs? I just want to get like a total. Uh, well. The Broncos cost me ultimately like a lot if you count that my my twenty five to one bet on the Steelers like well, I could the Steelers might not have, I mean you know well, no just, no no I would have absolutely been able to hedge right the next, starting the next, the next right yes. starting the next week but okay so don't know what it could have should have that was a twenty what was that a hundred dollar bet <laughs> you really it was five hundred five hundred dollar bet okay so they cost you five hundred by knocking out the Steelers and then what it's else happened twenty five to one. Then the next week, I doubled down on the Patriots, basically, and bet okay. on them against the the, the Broncos. Okay, and, and then I went uh, even more big on the even bigger on the uh, the Panthers. So the the Broncos, I got to say, and I I faded the Panthers all season long too. I told you that's going to happen, of course. But um, yeah, you were right. The defense uh, was ultimately what mattered, and um, I looked very very wrong, and that was an extremely frustrating Super Bowl to sit through. But um, I only you know I, I'm not betting anything that's going to hurt my um daughter's college fund but let's just put it this way i've never lost so much money in a three-week span ever <laughs> yeah let's get a number on there let's put a number on it three grand yeah it was like i think like i said five for the for the season long for the steelers i think it was around five for the patriots and then i, I went i went to two grand on the uh, on the super bowl yeah. money line too i was just trying to play it safe i, I mean I, you're I, such a coward i told you we both we both were like kind of wishy-washy the first week we did the podcast the second week we both got clear in different directions Right? right, and you right. went in the wrong direction, and you I also did. went big. I mean, you say it won't cost Chloe her um, college, but it's three grand, you know, over what seventeen years, fifteen. Yeah, years. that's that's not an insignificant amount of money. It's I mean, gonna, I, you know, with it, you know, that would be like you know fourteen grand by then. I mean, you know, you you're not very athletic. Maybe your wife is. She could get maybe an athletic scholarship. You should choose a sport that's you know that, that there's not many of, like fencing or something like that. Yeah, no, I, I I love to keep rehashing this, but yeah, it wasn't a great run for okay. me, and um, that that whole Super Bowl was. Uh, I mean, I was at a big party, and it was just I I actually ended up having to move into a different room because I couldn't handle this one. This one, <laughs> my, my friend's dad was trolling me so bad, just uh, rooting hard for the Broncos, and he's not a Bronco fan, nor did he have a dollar right. on the game other than our squares or whatever uh, that was like you know a dollar per square, um, and it, so I just couldn't handle it. I had to go in the other room. I didn't want to make a, a you know an even bigger scene than I probably already had, so. Yeah, whatever it happens. Let me, let, me like... tell you, let me give you some advice on what you do if that situation arises again. I'm going to the other room wasn't a terrible idea, but you go right up to his face and you say, do you root for the Broncos? And what would he say? He, would, he probably couldn't name four players okay. on the team. And you say, do you have a bet on this game? 
And he would say no. And he'd say, then keep your fucking mouth shut. <laughs> I like this guy, but I, I probably should no, have done that. But but, um, that's, that establishes the situation. Then you can enjoy the game after that. You know what I did save money on is me and my wife not going to Levi Stadium, which we strongly contemplated up until the very end. So I, I will say that. Ultimately, hey, maybe I saved some money because yeah, that would have You basically got a ticket for half price and then decided not to deal with the traffic. Right, exactly. That's, that's how I'm spinning it at right. least. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's talk a little baseball. Now, you actually got me onto this idea, believe it or not. It's the one thing maybe in the history of our relationship that I've actually ever taken from you in a positive way, <laughs> which was that uh, – you know, maybe there's something to being aggressive on drafting, starting pitching early. And the NFBC has kind of confirmed that. But you take it to a more extreme level. Those guys are like, yeah, hey, you want two 200 strikeout starters in the first four rounds. But you're, like, willing to take four aces in the first four picks, right? I'm absolutely willing to do that, yes. So I've got the Beat Chris List NFBC League coming up tonight. And uh, – I, I chose the third pick as my first choice. You get, you know, the NFBC, yeah. you get to choose yeah. where you want to choose. And I got it. I got the third pick because I think that I'll have Kershaw there. Um, I, I could see, you know, somebody taking Kershaw just to troll me. It's the beat Chris list league. And so people who sign up, listen to the show. I've been saying, I'm going to take Kershaw. I think a lot of those guys get satisfaction out of, you know, annoying me or throwing me off my game, but that's fine. If I have to get trout or Harper at three, I'm not going to, that's not a bad situation. But I'm assuming exactly. that's a good consolation prize. I, I really like the third pick this year. Third is best, right? I'm not a Goldschmidt guy. So. I'm not. For some reason, I'm not either. I, I just know the time I do draft him is when he is when he'll be a bust, just like the Panthers, because I've, I've faded him for years. So I'm just digging my my heels in the ground or whatever. So yes, I'm with you. Yeah, he's good. I mean, if I got him at like the tenth pick, I'd be happy. But I don't. I don't see him in the same Harper Trout. I just. I just don't see him. I mean, I, I could be wrong. I don't believe in the steals. Exactly, exactly. And then without the steals, he's still really good. He hit for a really good average. I mean, he's still good, but I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe I should be. I don't really have a good reason. It's just a vibe thing, and I'm entitled to my own vibe. So that's exactly how I feel. Okay. As well. So, um, so basically, the only crazy thing, if the first two picks were were Kershaw, uh, Goldschmidt, I'd be ch- uh, forced to choose between Trout and Harper, and I think I might take Harper. Believe it or not. But either way, I don't really care. Uh, I'm hoping to get Kershaw. That's the guy I would take with the number one pick. So, obviously, I would take it with the number three pick. And then the question is on the way back, right? I'm going to get two picks in the second and third round. And I really like Chris Sale. And I really like Jose Fernandez. And I know they've been sort of flirting with the idea of an innings cap. But worst case, it costs you 30 innings. And probably you'll get an announcement, you know, the, before the start that you can just sit him that week and put in a replacement so it doesn't hurt you that bad. It hurts if you're not really sure when they're doing it. That's a little dicey. And maybe they don't even put an innings cap on him. So I don't know. So Jose Fernandez is a guy I just love. I just think if he's healthy and you're gambling a little bit, but he's past the Tommy John surgery, I don't know if besides Kershaw, there's. I think I'd rather have on an inning-per-inning inning basis, I take Jose Fernandez over anybody but Kershaw. Yeah, no argument here. Um, the only trepidation I have is that he kind of dealt with another injury after returning from Tommy John last year. But, um, yeah, his numbers are, are amazing, especially at home. Um, I, it sounds like to me like you're talking yourself into him like I did Harvey coming off the surgery. But I, I, I would never argue against uh, Jose Fernandez. I mean, he's, yes, he's, he's fantastic. It's a 15-team league, yes? No, 12. This one's 12. Oh, 12. Okay, that one's 12. So, yeah, you will definitely – I bet you he will definitely be there. Oh, no. I, I could probably get him in the third round, right? And so I could go Kershaw, Sale, Fernandez if I wanted, I think. Right, right. And, and just – and you remember, so there's an overall contest. So those strikeouts are just monstrous, those three, those three players. 
But I think what I'm going to do if I get Kershaw is go Springer. I love Springer. I don't know. I think he's usually available in the third round, and I think he should be mid-second just looking at what he does. And then there's guys like Starling Marte, Chris Davis, uh, you know, around there. Um, I like a lot of players. Or Jose Abreu, I wouldn't mind getting there. What do you yeah. do if you get Kershaw in round one? What do you do with that two-three turn? Uh, yeah, that is tough. Um, I I would not be against Sale and Fernandez. Or uh, I, I can't believe this is happening yet again. But um, I, I, I'm once in time, <laughs> you know where I'm going. I know. Where you're I going. mean, did you see how he finished the season? And now it's his free agent year. I mean, did was, you, do you know what his whip was post-All-Star break? Like 0.75 or something? Exactly, 0.75. Uh, 92 strikeouts in 66 innings. Yeah, I mean, you do realize September is a soft uh, field that you're going against. I mean, there's a lot of pitchers that look great uh, with their September numbers because they're facing a lot of AAA lineups. And then you get right. a fresh Strasburg who wasn't seriously hurt but had nagging problems, you know, going all out against a bunch of AAA guys, and that's what you that's, get. That's true. Uh, in, in, in in August, he had a .80 whip. Okay, that's what his n- true level is, .80. Uh, <laughs> 0.75 is definitely going to regress to .80. But so, so yeah, no, I see it. Uh, I think, actually, Strasburg, I might be able to get on the way back um, in the 4-5 yeah. turn, actually, on the 12-teamer. I think you might. You're right. I haven't looked at study the ADP, but that's entirely possible. People have really, really soured on him. Right. So, I mean – if you really wanted to have some serious sack, I don't think I would do this. Is go Kershaw, Sale, Fernandez, Strasburg as your first four. I'd love it. And then just go five through, you know, ten, all hitters, obviously. Some closers in 11, 12. And then 13 through 16, hitters again. And then maybe a closer in 17, like a, you know, a crappy closer. And then, you know, fill in your pitching staff at the end. Yeah, I always hear the argument that, like, there are good pitchers available in round six through ten or whatever. And my counter is... A, I'm fine with taking another one there and just loading up on the on the you know the position. And B, there are always hitters that emerge too. I don't I don't understand why it's just so biased that um, that they just it's just an assumption that the pitchers are the bargains later. I, I just don't really get that reasoning. Yeah, I think a lot of the research was done in only leagues by Peter Kreutzer, and in the only leagues, there's more pitching than emerges because you know pitchers, you basically just need a role. And you never know what you'll get out of a pitcher. You'll never know when a Colin McHugh two years ago is going to come out of nowhere. There's just so many pitchers that just need a role. Whereas hitters, you know, it's I think it's usually a little more predictable. Like there's some guys that come out of absolute nowhere. But usually a Carlos Correa is an elite prospect. Once in a while there will be like a Mark Canha who's good. You know, like the guy like that is a hitter um, that just comes out of nowhere and is really useful in an only league. But in a mixed league, I think you're kind of right. I think in a mixed league – you know, where it's 12-team mixed, where there's full-time hitters on the waiver wire, there's tons of hitters that come out of the woodwork, right? There's tons of Matt Duffy's that end up being really valuable, solid hitters. There's tons of Manny Machado's who end up being first-round values that you got in the 12th round. Um, I, I won't say tons of them, but there's plenty of them. I mean, it happens all the time. And in a mixed league, I think I think that, that it's a little skewed because a lot of the research that was done was done for, for only leagues, and the whole 70-30 split and everything else is sort of – I don't know how much it applies to NFBC, which is, you know, obviously it's a 12-team mixed league. I totally agree. I, I would not employ my strategy in labor. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't go spending a ton on top starters because it bats are a commodity. So it, it only leagues, I, I agree with that assessment that I, I, would, I would, you know, change this, this strategy. It's definitely more mixed leagues. Yeah. So, 
so so maybe so maybe you're right, and and it would be crazy to go those four. I mean, what a ridiculous amount of starters. Now, I I wrote an article um, on a blog. Hold on, actually. hold on, real quick, real yeah. quick. If you did those four, I guarantee you, you would be far more favored to finish with more points in the pitching categories than if you went four straight hitters because you're competing with probably ten other people that do four straight hitters. Right, or you know, three hitters and then a fifth round hitter. You right, know what I mean, and right, and think of it this way. Um, if, okay, so let's just take a look. So let's say I could do that, and I, I'm almost positive I could go if I get Kershaw, which is likely. I could go Kershaw, Sale, uh, Fernandez, and then Strasburg's a crapshoot. But if not Strasburg, you know, I could get Harvey or somebody. You know what I mean? Right. I don't really like Harvey that much, to be honest. But like, just somebody of that, you know, uh, maybe Corey Kluber or. Bumgarner, Grinky, whatever. Bumgarner, Grinky, Degrom. Yeah, yeah. Bumgarner probably not. Uh, but anyway, but someone good. Yeah, Degrom. So I can go four. Okay, but then in the fifth round, I would end up taking, and this is actually earlier than his ADP, but I just think it's ridiculous that he's going to say Puig, who I just think is a lock to be a monster. I just think Puig should be like a, a third round pick, like mid third, and he's going in the seventh, and I'm going to take him on the four or five turn because I've been talking him up so much on the XM show that I'm not even sure he's going to be there on the four or five turn, but if I, I've got to take him there, um, if I'm going to get him. Yeah, that's funny. Um, we just, uh, published high fives for Yahoo and the most underrated hitters, um, outfielders. Sorry. That's why I picked number one was, was Puig. And, uh, you go a section below and the most overrated hitters, uh, uh, Andy Barron's picked Puig. So, so apparently he disagrees with us or maybe he's still drunk from the, from the trip, but he's, he's yeah. drunk. And I don't know what drugs he was on. If he's now saying Puig is overrated in like the seventh round. I mean, Puig was yeah, a second uh, round pick last year. That's exactly what I was just saying. If we can go back 12 months, there was a strong debate among my, myself and the community between Harper and Puig. Right. I mean, I, mean, I you know, I liked both. I love both, actually. Right, right. And I wanted to get both, and I did get both in many cases, and only one of them panned out. But Puig was hurt last year. I mean, why would you think differently of him this year based on last year? It's not like he turned 34 and we're like, oh, maybe he's getting old. I yeah, mean, he hits, he, I think he hits a lot of ground balls, and he is a head case. And maybe, uh, uh, who, but still, I'm with you. that's good. That's all good. That means that he put up the numbers he did despite hitting ground balls and being a head case. Those are good things because if either of those things change – Look out, right? I mean, that's the idea that like, oh, well, there's this and this and this wrong with him. Yeah, and he went like 16, 11, 90, 65, 290 with all these problems. His rookie year, he hit 19 homers and like 400 at-bats. I mean. No, Matty Lee's gone. It's a really good lineup. I'm, I, hey, I'm on board. I'm with you. We're talking about a guy who could hit 35 home runs. He's 6'4", 250, okay? He's a monster. Okay, the, the bat is like a toothpick in his hands. He can he can hit 35 home runs. You know, that fly ball, ground ball stuff, that stuff changes sometimes. And you're right. Mattingly was bad for him, dicked him around. He's also older. I mean, when I was – even now, I'm like a total, you know, punk. Like, I don't agree with authority. I don't get along with authority. I don't like it. Um, when I was 23, I mean, come on, man. I would have been in jail if there was, you know, any sort of enforcement – uh, where I was living and hanging out. And, like, you know, Puig is some kid coming over from Cuba, gets all this money, and he's partying a bit. He's 23, big deal. You know, I think sometimes these guys, they just mature a little bit. Look at DeMarcus Cousins in the NBA. Same thing. It was, like, all the talent in the world. He's a head case. He's this. And now, a couple years later, it's like, oh, yeah, well, he was, like, 23 years old, you know? 
Oh, no, the whole culture change has got to be dramatic. I mean, just totally different. No, but I just think people mature in their early 20s a little bit. You know, I'm not sure. speaking myself, but I mean, just the average person is a punk. A lot of them, you know, there's those people who've already been totally broken and they're like immediately conforming to what authority tells them to do by age 16. There's totally broken people like yourself. But I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, they, they rebel and they're like this and then they realize, okay, I am unnecessarily undermining my prospects right now. I'm going to change. And this happened. It's just like a normal part of growing up. And why wouldn't he be part of that curve too? I think that's why 27 sometimes is that considered the peak. It's not because they're their athletic peak. Um, and it may, and they, even if they've been in the league a couple of years, it's just that they're just more mature. It's just like, Oh yeah. Now I kind of see what my priorities are now. Yeah. I mean, I guess he supposedly lost weight in the off season too. Although that came with comments being like, I don't see why that's important, <laughs> but, but um, absolutely all that makes sense to me. And as I said, I put him as my number one, most undervalued, uh, outfielder as far as ADP so far. So I'm on board. Yeah. And you know, I, I kind of like the guys who aren't a broken man yet, you know, like no one broke Papelbon, you know, <laughs> Papelbon will grab his nuts. If you boo him, he doesn't care. I, I like those guys. So I, I'm going to have some shares of him too. By the way, I, I really like Papelbon. I apparently ranked him way higher than everyone. I don't understand why he's clearly the guy there without storing and Washington may win 95 plus games. I don't know why anyone doesn't rank K rod and Papelbon way higher. Those guys every year are good. Every single year. Their legitimate career on the career saves list, their arms, knock on wood, bounce back every year. Unlike many closers who flame out after two years of throwing hard, Palpabun doesn't even throw that hard anymore, neither is K-Rod. You know, it's, they're not really beating themselves up every year. I mean, I love those guys. I think those guys going in 11th, 12th round are as likely to keep the job as any of the star guys. I think the star guys are just as shaky. Wade Davis, he's great, but... I don't think he has any more job security if he starts struggling right. than, than Papelbon or K-Rod. So I, I will almost always – those are the guys I'm going to get every draft if they're going – if they stay where they are. I, I don't even – I don't see why they're 14th or 15th among closers. I have them, you know, 7th, 8th around there and, and maybe even higher. I agree. Um, I, I cut you off earlier. Uh, I have Papelbon fifth, by the way. Right. I, I cut you off earlier. I was curious what you're going to say about an article that you previously wrote. Oh, okay. So what the hell was I talking about? Um, we were talking about pitchers. I don't remember. It was it was it was like a big thought experiment article that I wrote, and I, I you know it was just sort of like, well, how do we value hitting and pitching this whole thing? But I don't remember what the context was. It'll come back to me. I mean, okay. I, I remember the article, but I, there was like four different aspects to it. There's something else I wrote. Uh, I, tw- I mean, I'm gonna write, and I took I, I put out a poll on Twitter, and I and then the poll was, would you rather have if you knew nothing else about the player? A pitcher that last year struck out 18 batters in a single game or a pitcher that struck out 220 hitters on the season? I put that poll out. And there were a lot of votes. Um, and Hold on. I haven't, I haven't seen the answer, but can I give mine before I hear yeah, the – Before you see the poll answer, yeah. I, I would have um, done the 18 strikeouts. Okay. I know you would, and that's the right answer. The poll was about 3-1 to one, uh, in favor of the 220 strikeout guy. Oh, man. Okay. And, and so people think, you know, come on. It's a signature start. It's no big deal. Okay. Do you, if you look at the list of the players who've ever struck out 18 Ks, ha, ever Probably had 18 Ks in the game, right? Probably a lot of scrubs. Yeah, exactly. It's not even. There's like, I mean, Ben Sheets, who at his peak was actually quite good. So good. Love. It's like the scrub. Okay. Um, and I will here. Here's the list. I pulled it up on from uh, Wikipedia list. Okay. So here are the pitchers of struck out. Pete Carrywood, Okay, who was pretty good. Roger Clemens did it twice. Randy Johnson did it. Uh, 
three times. Actually, Roger Clemens did it three times. Randy Johnson did it three times. Those are two of the top five pitchers of all time. David Cohn, who's very good at his peak, did it once. Tom Seaver, another top pitcher of all time. Steve Carlton, another one. Some guy in the eight, you know 19th century, a couple guys which I'll skip. Corey Kluber did it last year. Ben Sheets, I mentioned. Did Sheets do it against Atlanta? Does it show? I'm going to see if my memory is that good. No, it was the Brewers. Oh, no, he was with the I Brewers. Know. Yes, against Atlanta. Correct. Wow. Okay, I remember that. His curveball was just so filthy in the dirt. They were swinging at everything. I remember that specifically. All right. Okay. So, Randy Johnson, I said he did it the third time. Ramon Martinez, he was actually pretty good at his peak. But Bill Gullickson, that's sort of a scrub on there, on the Expos. Ron Guidry, who the year he did it, had a 174 ERA. He was untouchable. That Nolan Ryan did it once. Actually, Nolan Ryan did it twice. Uh, Don Wilson, who I don't know who that is. That's kind of a, a scrub. Sandy Koufax twice. Bob Feller once. And then two more guys from the 19th century. So basically, there's like a 70% chance that your guy is an inner circle Hall of Famer, right? And then there's like a 20% chance it's like an all-star pitcher, you know, in a Cy Young quality year. And then there's like a 10% chance it's a just a average pitcher, right? I mean, to me, there's no way the 220 strikeout, if you were to like so average out everyone who's done that, that, that yeah, even so many people have done close that. to that list, right? Agreed. Okay. Now, the second question I asked was, would you rather uh, a player, you, you only knew this one thing about the player, that he hit four home runs in a single game last year or that he hit 25 homers in a season last year? Which would you rather have? Oh, that's totally different. Um, I guess... Uh, 25 is not that high of a bar to clear. I'd probably still say 25 homers. Okay. I, I Again, most people agree with you about three to one, but uh, I would disagree with you. Uh, when you get to the 20th century, uh, you got Lou Gehrig did it, Chuck Klein, an MVP. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, then you got this guy, Pat Seary, I've never heard of, so that's a point against. Gil Hodges, another you know star player for many years of the Dodgers. Joe Adcock. Don't know how good his career was. Rocky Colavito, who's a big slugger, hit you know 40 a bunch of times. Willie Mays, Mike Schmidt to inner circle hall of famers bob horner you know he was all right for a while but nothing special mark witten scrub mike that's cameron. what i remember as a kid mark, okay. mark witten mike cameron you know a 2020 guy for several years at least you know probably at least as good as your average 25 home run guy sean green who was a monster fantasy guy uh for several years Love carlos him. delgado monster fantasy guy borderline hall of famer and josh hamilton who at his peak was you know as good as anybody so i still think that crushes your average 25 home run guy. Yeah, that's fair enough. I don't think 25 homers is equivalent to 220 strikeouts, but may- maybe it it's, is. No, it's maybe. not. It's not. I, 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 I didn't try to – I made the bar a little lower for the four home runs because I agree that it's a little different than 18 strikeouts. The sample's a little smaller, so I made the bar lower. Obviously, okay. if enough. I said 35 homers, I'd probably take the 35 homer guy. Right. Okay, but that's fair. Even that, that's... though, looking at the list, right. you know, you'd probably rather take the four homer guy, actually. Yeah, no, that's a pretty impressive list, and obviously quite rare. Right, and it just shows. And and the point of the article that I'm going to write is, and we, you and I have talked about this, that it's not just the size of the sample. It's also the magnitude of the sample. And you could have one game be the size of the sample, but if the magnitude is big enough, it actually means more than a whole season. That makes sense. Right. So anyway, that's just uh, something I was doing. And then, and then the other one was just a lot of thought experiments about um, – you know, what if you – oh, this is what this was the context that I was talking about, um, that if you were to uh, – it was about uh, all the pitchers, is that let's say instead of drafting 
players for 2016, we were drafting off the 2015 year-end results. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it. So we're not – it's not what the guy's going to do this year. It's what he did last year. Those are the stats you get for your team. And I, I don't know why we don't do this ever because I think it would be so interesting, right, to, like, draft knowing, the, knowing what you're getting, knowing the year-end sheet. Everybody knows all – there's perfect information. Right. That would, yes. And okay. I mean, it would be a little tricky because you wouldn't make moves. You know, you just run the stats. So you, you couldn't take a guy who gets called up like halfway through the season and be like, well, I'll fill in a replacement for three months before, you know, Miguel Sano gets called up, you know, because that's not going to work. You're just going to get whatever his stats are. Right. So there's no moves. So he would obviously go a lot further down the list than, than you would if you were really playing out the year. But I think, in that case, and the, and, the, and the numbers would bear this out, is that remember when Kershaw will earn, you know, Kershaw goes for 42 bucks, and so does Trout um, in AL or NL labor. And then, you know, the Scherzer will go for like 33 and, you know, then the other pitchers in the 20s. And the hitters are, will typically go for more. But you realize that those numbers are generated based on projections. But they're not generated straight up 50-50 based on projections. The hitters are assigned 70% of the budget. The pitcher's only 30%, right? Right. According to Baseball Monster, the top three most valuable fantasy players last year were all starting pitchers. Of course. Because the, when you look at the dollar values in labor and tout in the only leagues, those are based on 70-30 splits. If those were 50-50, Kershaw would be like 60 bucks. Right. Right. And Scherzer would be like 50 and sale would be like 50 and Arietta would be like 50 because well, Arietta earned even more than Kershaw last year. But point yeah, he was the number one most valuable yeah, fantasy player. Last because week. half your categories are pitching and you only have nine slots. And if a guy's doing that much, you know, and, and remember, two of the slots are probably closer. So you have right. seven starter slots and the guy's doing one seventh of those four categories and destroying them. I mean, there's no way a hitter can compete. Not even close. So, right, I mean, and, and, and obviously they can't get all five categories because of saves, but there's so few true five-category hit. I mean, even Trout stopped stealing bases, really, you know? I mean, so it's, it's tough to, to compare there. Right, you would need a true five-category hitter who was – but even then, I don't think he would earn what Kershaw would earn. And, and so here's the thing. If we did this, an expert league, let's say we had the labor participants or just some random bunch of, you know, experts do a draft, but we were doing last year's stats, and we all picked our teams – I think unless you and me were in the draft, the it would go Trout, Harper, um, Machado. You know the top performing hitters would go first five. You know first few picks. Someone take Kershaw and Arietta, and Arietta go first, and then Kershaw, and then and then the guys who won would be the guys who took the pitchers early. And you'd be like, wow, they won. Let's run it again. And, and until like the people started figuring out, oh wait, we got it. the first five six picks should be pitchers. And then we can start going to hitters, you know, and, and that's just such an eye opening thing because so what's the reason why pitchers are not, why wouldn't we do that for this year basically? And the reason is there's a 70, 30 split. And why is there a 70, 30 split? Well, Peter Kreutzer explained it a couple ways. One, that there's more free loot. This is certainly in only leagues. There's more pitchers that come into the pool um, for free. Secondly, the pitchers actually earn a negative value. A lot of them, Right. The, the whip and ERA are two averaging categories, and because of that, there's a lot of negative points earned by pitchers that are drafted, right? Wouldn't that even be more so on our argument then, to make sure you get the good ones? Yes, I do think it cuts that way, okay? Um, and, sec and second, in the mixed league, it doesn't even apply, though, because those negative pitchers are dropped. It's not like labor where you stick with Justin Masterson right. two years ago, half the year, and he's killing you. 
Um, you know, in a mixed league, you just, he's not in your lineup for very long if he's getting shelled. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm not sure that the mixed leagues don't play out a little bit like just drafting last year's stats. And we, I mean, I, we could prove this. I mean, we go back and draft last year's stats. I promise you the teams that go heavy on the, uh, on the pitching would win. Well, no, I, I agree. I've told you the top three, and it's, it looks like it's five of 12 of the top 12. And uh, Scherzer is basically equivalent to Trout in value. Right. Actually, I think Scherzer is more valuable than Trout last year if you, if you were to do it. I, the monster stuff doesn't – I mean, they have their formula, but I'm not sure you know, that that's no, – I'm not saying it's perfect, but, yeah, I, I get what you're saying also because they're not factoring in the, uh, the point of how, how much impact he has based on the amount of roster spots is what you're saying. Uh, they might. I don't know. I don't know what their formula is, but I, I'd be wary of just taking any one source uh, for sure. it. I, sure. w- the way I would do it is do my dollar values, right? And when they're 70-30, my dollar values look like the labor cheat sheet or the tout cheat sheet more or less. If I do it 50-50, like obviously it has to be in retrospect, um, it, it, the pitchers dominate. I mean, Yeah, this crushed. is just how much Trout, you know, versus his peers in the five offensive categories versus Scherzer versus his peers in the five, you know, pitching categories. And you're not even factoring in the fact that, yes, he um, he's impacting your pitching more than Trout is impacting your hitting just based on the roster spots. That's right. It's not just how much of an outlier is he versus the rest of the hitters. It's also, you know, each cat- you got to count each category as its own thing. So if um, – you know, how much is he contributing to the stand, you know, to the gains on the standings is one way to do it. Another way to do it is, you know, how many standard deviations above the mean is he in every category and you add them up. Um, and you realize that, you know, the, the average pitcher, I mean, the, the other thing about pitching too, is that, um, the baseline is even lower in some ways because you don't, it's rare that the optimal pitching is in the league at any given time in a mixed league, right? There's so many good starts missed, Right. Like, right. if you think about it, like, so many weeks a pitcher is lights out on the waiver wire on somebody's bench, whereas there's, you know, there's some two home run games on the bench and on the waiver wire, but most of the productive hitting is, is active. Yeah, I mean, I guess the argument would be wins are really volatile and, hell, even ERA is based on BABIP and stuff. But, I mean, can you say the same with, with BABIP for hitters as well and just so many – random fluctuations and hitter. I'm convinced that football, I know there, this was a crazy year with a lot of injuries, but I swear that's simpler than, than in baseball predicting hitters. It's, it's just out of control. I, I, I am going to be so agnostic in my draft tables this year. It's a crime. I'm going to actually target people coming off shitty years last season. That's my strategy this year. Well, that's, that's the strategy every year, right? I mean, it's like, okay, Carlos Gomez was a first round pick. I didn't love him last year, but he's going in the fourth round now. I mean, he's the same guy, right? Right. You know, there, there's a lot of players being heavily discounted based on what, you know, who I really kind of like is a sleeper is Hanley Ramirez because everyone's <laughs> fed up with that dude. Oh I, yeah. I loved him last year and he was all bulked up and he got off to a great start and it was the sickest thing ever. And then, yeah, he, everyone's definitely fed up with him for sure. Right, Cause he gets hurt all the time and it's not, he doesn't get like out for the year hurt, but he's always like dealing with nagging crap all the time. Right. And after April, he fell apart, but he's 32 years old, right? He turns 32 in, he just turned 32 in December. So he's 32 years old and that is not old. And this dude can hit. I mean, Haley Ramirez in Fenway park can hit if he's healthy. You are not telling me that that dude, what the numbers that he put up that suddenly he's washed up as a hitter at age 32. If he, if he is in one piece, he's good. And he said, there's no pain in his shoulders. He feels a hundred percent. I mean, dude is probably just playing hurt. Yeah, I know he's got, I, what's his ADP. It's gotta be, you know, what, 60, 70 spots lower than last year, maybe even more? 
Yeah, he's super low. I mean, he's he's low on our list. I could look up the NFBC ADP here, but um, this is just outfielders. I think he is number thirty-five among outfielders. Yeah, that's, that's among outfielders only. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's I, I'm with you there. Definitely, he's below, he's below Corey Dickerson. Now, I I don't know if that's some of the pre-trade Corey Dickerson price in there. He's below David Peralta. I actually, like he's pretty Peralta. good though. Yeah, yeah I like David Peralta. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> um, all right, so. So here's the thing. So let's assume – I don't know that I, that I have the sack to do this um, for pitchers. Remember, it's a no-trade league also. So at least with, like, friends and family, if you go four pitchers and you get a little pitching heavy, you can make a move. In, in this, you're stuck. But I wonder whether I can get the hitting I need. Um, I, I, I tend to think you can. If you, but four is a lot. I think three is a lot easier. To take a hitter in the fourth round makes it a lot easier than to go four pitchers. But let's say Strasburg were there, and I just couldn't pass it up, right? So I took the three pitchers, and I was going to take a hitter, but I got Strasburg. Round five ends at pick, what, 60, right? That's the end of round five? Right. So my fifth-round pick would be – oh, no, my fifth-round pick would be early. So it would be, it would be early in uh, the fourth – Wait, sorry. No, yeah, round 60. So my, my third, it would be like round, it would be pick 50, I think would be my fifth round pick. Oh, damn, I'm looking at just outfielders. I want to get the uh, overall ADP here. I think you could do it. If you were a man, you would, you would, uh, you would attempt this. If, if, if those guys are still there. I, I think the first three will definitely, not. well, we'll see Kershaw, but I think if I get Kershaw, the next two will almost definitely be there. And right. the question is whether Strasburg's there. I mean, DeGrom, somebody's going to be there. But let's just say it's Strasburg, who has just so much upside. And then, then I'm looking at the overall now. Okay, so it's pick 50 would be – no, pick 51. Uh, now, damn, I'm still an outfielder, so I got to uh, – I don't know why I can't. Here we go, overall. Oh, any position. That's what I need to do. I'm, I'm like, figuring out the NFBC uh, ADP website. And, you know, these ADPs are obviously – they're not set in stone, but – okay, here we go. Here's the overall. So pick 51 is Felix Hernandez. I, I couldn't take another pitcher. Lorenzo Cain, Robbie Cano. Carlos Gomez. If Gomez were there, if I could get Gomez and Puig in, I don't think I'll get Puig because, as I said, I talked him up. But if I got Gomez and Puig with the fifth and sixth pick, that's I'm fine with that, right, with the four yeah. pitchers? Absolutely. Right? That's like a first and second round pick from last year with my four studs. Exactly. No, I, I would love that. Okay. I don't think it's going to happen because, as I said, these guys listen to the show and I've been talking them up. So, Round six ends at uh, pick 72, which means I would get pick 70. The hitters there are Matt Carpenter, Kyle Seeger, Anthony Rendon, um, Billy Hamilton. Billy Hamilton would be a badass pick too, though, in a way, because you get <laughs> – if he's okay, you end up getting just this monster. with now, now you've won steals. You've won all the pitching cats, you know, all the starting pitching ones, and you just got to figure out how to, like, compete in home runs and RBIs and runs and average. You know, I'm I'm kind of over my guy, Billy Hamilton. Um, I don't know, a 280 on base percentage will do that. Just get Gerard Dyson like 50 picks later. But is he definitely going to start? I guess the Orioles signed Fowler and took him off the market. So you think he's going to start all year, Dyson? I mean, I, I as of now, and even if he doesn't, he gets you 35 pass. You can't use him in a mixed league if he doesn't start. He, you just don't get enough. Yeah, I know, I know. But, I mean, he's on base like 325, which is like, a lot better than 285 in Hamilton, and he's, he steals so much. He's very efficient. I don't know. I like him. As a, if you want to steal a guy, I think his ADP is crazy low. He, he just he almost has more stolen base upside than Hamilton. I, I don't know, man. Hamilton, I think, still could steal 80 bases. He was on pace. He just kind of 
And I think they just came out and said he is going to remain the leadoff hitter, too. And he plays good defense, so maybe he'll stay in the lineup. But, man, he just can't hit. Yeah, but he maybe he gets a little better. I don't know. I I think where he's going now, you know, is just it's low enough. Anyway, that would be yeah. Just, maybe I mean maybe it's just me. Okay, being... but here, here's another one. Okay, Prince Fielder is around there. Matt Kemp, right? So uh, you know, if you get Puig, Gomez, Fielder, okay, and then the next one would be Kemp. You know, or Puig is actually going around here, but as I said, I've already driven up his price. Um, if you were to get sort of like Kemp and Fielder. Puig and Gomez with those four pitchers, I mean, that's just – it's never going to happen for me. But I, I do think the hitting is there. According to the overall NFBC ADP, I think rounds five through eight, you can get four hitters that will compete with those first-round guys. Not the top half of the first round, but the, you know, the notion that Prince Fielder can't hit 33 home runs and bat 290, he could easily do that. Easily do that. Yeah. You know who I'm going to be a sucker for? It's funny. I just said I'm going to try to remain agnostic, but – I'm going to be the sucker who who overdrafts um, Corey Seager. I think he's going to go nuts. So Jeff already was that sucker, and I told him I would have taken Puig ahead of him. But uh, he's really good. I had him in – he's 55 is his ADP overall. Okay. I had him in uh, the NFBC That's- down the stretch in a couple places I picked him up. And, and I also, you know, just try to – I couldn't watch because in L.A. we can't watch the Dodgers, which is – Of course not. <laughs> I don't want to get on that tangent. But uh, he was – Every night, you know, like three for five with two doubles, you know, just he, the dude hit right out of the gate and he was a big time prospect. So I see it. I definitely see it. All right. One more, one more guy I want to bring up uh, real quickly. And it's going to seem like I am a, being a Homer, but I've actually never really owned him. But the more I just look at this, explain to me why, why Buster Posey shouldn't be considered Gronkowski. Yeah, I mean he's he's kind of Gronkowski, um, and the risk seriously look at the catching depth. I mean, I guess if you like Schwarber, if he's eligible, fine. But like the third ranked catcher on most people's list, they score like fifty runs. They bat two sixty. I mean, it's the difference is so massive. Yeah, I think the I think it is a little like Gronk in that he's injury prone. He's injury prone by the nature of his position. You know, it's like uh, catchers they're always getting hurt. It's a tough. Because although he's gone 148, 148, 147, 150 the last four years, and, and he plays some first base. Space, yes, yeah. yes. And the batting averages are just so good. You know? So good. If people underrate the difference between 318 and 260, um, that'd be like you know hitting 35. You know, you might as well add you know th- th- this. I think it's overlooked the batting average position. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a lot more obvious if he hit 30 homers and bat batted 270. But no, he was really, really helps you in a category that any other position usually doesn't, let alone one that kept, most catchers are batting 240. And he's really established a level the last four years. I mean, he had the 15 was his worst, 15 to 24 homers, so you can pencil him in for about 20. You know, he's he batted 336, the lowest is 294. You can pencil him in for like 305. You know, I mean, 20 and 305 is like the baseline, right? 85 more RBIs. Walks, more walks and strikeouts last year. Entering his prime, he's 28. That lineup's going to be better hitters in front of him. The only issue is you have a catcher that's played, you know, basically 600 games the last four years. Right. And it's just, you know, and some of them are at first base. I want to look at the uh, actual catcher. He played uh, he played about 450 at catcher of those 600. So maybe it's not that bad, right? Maybe he's only playing 100 games a year, 110 games a year at catcher. He only played 106 last year at right. catcher. So it's not taking – it's not really – and getting those breaks in between games is kind of refreshing him. I hear you, man. I, I hadn't even considered him as like a late second-round pick. 
Yeah, I normally just don't pick, care about catcher because it, whatever one develops. But the more I looked at the rankings, well, I'm like, these are garbage right afterward. I mean, it's just, just terrible. I, I think you could get a real clear advantage unlike any other uh, position. Well, there's one uh, place in which the uh, Gronkowski analogy is not apt is you only need to start one tight end in the NFBC and in most formats, not the Yahoo one. You need two catchers. So imagine how valuable Gronk would be in a two tight end league. Right, right, right. Yeah, I got, I got to think about it. Um, what is his overall ADP? Because I wasn't even considering him. He goes pretty early, 19th. So I'm almost certainly not going to get him. Well, I wouldn't say almost certainly because I would pick 22nd. So if he slips three picks. That's higher than I expected. I didn't realize he was going that high. So maybe maybe I'm not. the NFBC up. is like the real shit. Right. I'm not coming up with a revelation apparently. They, those dudes have done them. You know, I mean, it's like right. that market is a strong market. Right. So, you know, yeah, he's. He's pretty high up, but he could slip three picks, and I would get him. Would you take him over Jose Abreu, Edwin Encarnacion, Chris Sale, Jose Fernandez, Chris Davis, George Springer? I don't know about the uh, pitchers, but I probably would the more I think about it. The two-catcher league and that batting average, I think I probably would take him over those hitters you mentioned. Yeah, my strategy this year, I mean, I could see taking Posey. I probably won't, but uh, is that – I'm going to load up. I want corners and outfielders on offense, and I want starting pitchers. Okay, I'm going to wait till the hopefully the double-digit rounds to get my two reliable veteran closers, and I'm going to fill in catcher and middle infield last. Is it just because you think middle infield is more volatile because it's a tougher position to play? Yes, I think both of the, both those positions are volatile, right. and there's many guys who emerge, and there's many guys who fall apart, and I just don't want to get involved in paying for it. And there's inter- I like Javier Baez. I like a lot of these middle infield guys. I like Jed Jerko. I don't know where he's going to get the playing time, but people get hurt. He'll play some outfield to be a super utility guy. I like a lot of these. I like Ketel Marte. I like um, a bunch of these middle infielders that are sort of, you know, I, I liked last year. I liked uh, Chris Owings and uh, Scooter Jeanette, and they sucked, but I ended up dropping them for, I don't I can't remember who, but somebody who did okay. You know, I mean, I, I just kinda like Owings. He's going to be dirt cheap. I like Owings again. Yeah, I don't know. I, he's, I I thought he had his chance last year, and he blew it. I think he was playing hurt, and he's still in Arizona. I, I wouldn't write him off. Okay, uh, interesting. But the point is, I'm going to get. You know, I just think I don't really care at that point. I'm going to have. I feel like I want to get my production from the easy places to get it. And I even think in the NFBC where you can draft bench players. If I see uh, a hitter, you know, an outfielder, and I already have six outfielders, I may get a seventh. And still wait on middle infield. Just right. load up on the guys who are run producers. You know who I like, actually, who you can get for nothing is Carlos Beltran. You know, do you realize what Carlos Beltran did last year? It wasn't good. No, it was good. He, I, I liked him as well. He didn't play that much, though, right? He was well, hurt. He got a little hurt, and he had a really slow start. But um, by season's end, he had 19 homers and batted like 286. No, 276. 19 homers, 276. 808 OPS. Definitely writing him off. That 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 I'm positive. So he he only had 130, and that was in 133 games. So he hit basically 20 homers, and he was on a 25 homer pace basically. Yeah, I didn't actually realize he must have picked it up in the second half more he than did. I more than I because realized. I think he was dinged up, and, and you know he's going to be 39, but he's starting right now, and he'll get some time off. But man, I mean, I think you can get 20 homers out of him if if he's reasonably healthy and a 270 batting average for nothing. That's why I was arguing. I was arguing with Paul Spohr on the uh, radio show the other day because <clears throat> I was like dissing Adrian Gonzalez, who gets you like you know twenty six homers and two eighty batting average and whatever ninety RBIs. And I'm like, why would I draft that guy in the fifth round when like 
There's Carlos Beltran can get like the 30th, you know, the 25th round. And if he's healthy, get 20 and 270. Yeah, no, I understand. I, I hear you. I, I like Beltran. Yeah. Anyway, he's always been a good hitter. And, and that 38 to 39 drop off, as we saw from David Ortiz the last couple of years, that there is no drop off. It's right. just a health thing. Right. Yeah. Well, it's always been a health thing with him. And too bad he doesn't run anymore because he's one of the most efficient base dealers in, in MLB history. Yeah, but he's he's a broken man. He can't even consider no. running. <laughs> Definitely not. But yeah. Obviously a great park too. So I mean, yeah, I bet you his ADP is, is extremely low. Yeah, no, it's just he's he's basically a free a free pick. Right. right. All right. Well we can wrap things up. Um I wanted to talk a little politics. Maybe we'll just quickly just say a couple things. First off, um, I, I know this is like heresy and I know he said some very offensive things, but I am actively rooting for Trump to win the Republican nomination. Okay. Because I just think that that's the best thing that could happen on that side. Okay. Of course I'm a Bernie guy, but I just think that the establishment and, and they're panicking. They're like, Oh my God, if there's a Trump presidency, it's the worst nightmare. Really worse than Bush who you guys were like cheerleading, you know, or worse than Rubio. Who's like a total dick bag who's totally owned by the oligarchs and is trying to – has radical policies. I mean, just like, oh, let's just get rid of all the immigrants. All the stuff he says, it's just hardcore right wing. And suddenly this is like the mainstream guy that they're not worried. That guy's in the pockets of the – you know, the thing about Trump is he may be a douchebag, but he's like – he's not owned by any of the, any of the uh, corporations or the donors or any of that stuff. So I really hope he wins on the Republican side. So, so it's not just because you think that they'll have a better chance of the of the Democrats winning. That's not your reasoning. No, I, well, actually, I think they have a worse chance if Hillary wins. I think Trump will beat Hillary. Oh, really? I, I, I think Hillary is reviled. She's a reviled, despised person. You know what the coalition she has? They're always like, oh, you know, she has the firewall, the coalition of minorities, and they're going to stand up for her. No, her coalition is between the cynical and the uninformed, and that's a powerful coalition. The cynical manipulating the uninformed. That's it. That's what she's got. And as people get more information, then they start to realize, oh, you know, and some people are cynical. They're like, nothing good can ever happen. We'll just vote for this horrible person. You know, it's almost like a point of pride. If you're like, well, I'd like to see things change for the better. I'd like to see Bernie try to, you know, get universal health care. Oh, don't be ridiculous. There's no money for that. Then things can't get better. You know, that that's the attitude. And you're like, no, I, I think, you know, at least we should try to make them better. That's ridiculous. You're an idiot. You, they're not voting because they like her policies or they disagree with what Bernie wants. They're voting because being a naysayer is somehow, I don't know. It's like it, somehow it makes them feel like they're, I'm a realist. It, I don't know what it does. I, it's almost as if they're voting to like um, sort of affirm their own cynicism. Hey, I'm rooting for Bernie as well, but I, I, I think she's going to win. We did. We have a bet on this. We do. We do. I don't think she's going to. I mean, I, I, you know, they're like, oh, she's got a big league. You know, they're tied on, on actual uh, delegates. All these, you know, super, corrupt superdelegates are, you know, they're like part of her campaign and donated to her. Those are like joining her for now. But they cannot, um, they, they would not, I hope they are not so stupid if he wins the uh, overall vote. He, he's won the popular vote so far, too, among the three states. So the main question is Trump versus Hillary. Who, who are you rooting for? Uh, I would sit it out, I think. Um, and I, here's the thing. Trump has said a lot of very bad things, and I don't, I don't know whether he means them or not. You know, some people say, well, if he wants to deport all these people, and he wants to build a wall, and, he want, you know, and he's Muslim shouldn't come to the U.S., which is it's all terrible. Um, but I think that guy's just a full of shit showman narcissist, and if he actually got elected, 
Um, he would be way more liberal than any of the Republican guys and probably more liberal than Hillary Clinton on foreign policy uh, and a lot of – he wouldn't be the hawk that Hillary is. Like Hillary's like a warmonger. You know, she, <laughs> she, she was for the intervention in Libya. She voted for Iraq. You know, she's part of the military-industrial complex. Like they love her. Right. Like those healthcare companies, you know, think she'd be a great president for them. There was a memo that went around from an investment, uh, a hedge fund guy who deals in healthcare trading and said that she's the guy they want to. And she's, you know, things would be good if she won. Um, she's the candidate of the banks. She's the candidate of the military industrial complex. So to me, um, I think he in a lot of ways is left of her and she's right of him. And who would he appoint to the Supreme Court? Probably not some right wing nut job. I don't think he gives a shit about any of that. I don't think he's that political in that way. I don't think he's an ideologue. Now, he said some crazy stuff, and you know, if he means it, that's obviously bad. Um, but uh, I read an article that I thought was interesting um, that comparing him to Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, who was governor of California, saying that guy ran as a Republican, talked a bunch of shit, you know, was just kind of an egomaniac, tried to get Republican stuff done, didn't fly at all in California, then started like working with the Democrats because he just wanted to be liked and be thought of as a good governor and then got all this like environmental stuff passed that was actually good and the economy turned around in California and that he actually did an okay job just because he didn't give a shit. He wasn't some right wing, you know, ideologue who's like cut all the taxes for the rich. You know, he just didn't care. And actually Trump doesn't care about that either. No, Trump is crazy, but I totally agree with you that he's, he's definitely not as Republican as a lot of people who voting for him, rooting for him think he is. Yeah. But the thing is those people voting for him aren't, Repu nobody gives a shit about Republican Democrat. Nobody's on the team anymore. I don't know why. Like, oh, you wouldn't vote for Hillary. You got to be on the team. It's like, no, I'm not on your fucking team. I'm not on that team, dude. I'm independent. I don't give a shit. I'm voting for Bernie, man. I'm I, he was independent too. He just, he's just running as a Democrat. He's to the right. left of the Democrats. I'm not, I'm not anyone's team. I'm not on team. Stop stealing my fucking money and giving it to corporations. Stop having these dudes who are making billions of dollars a year not pay friggin' you know, the 35, 40% tax, 50% taxes they should, where I pay that much, you know? These fuckers yeah. are paying like 10% taxes. They got, you know, a whole, I mean, it makes sense for them because they got a whole, if, you're, if you hire a guy that you pay $2 million to, to save you $100 million in taxes, that's a good hire, you know? Yeah, I better stop talking in case my family hears me saying I'm rooting for Bernie. I might get in trouble. Yeah. I mean, come on, don't be a coward. Who cares what your family thinks? You know? <laughs> I, the, you know what really is weird too is like people who are adults who are like you could tell that they just vote for the person their parents vote for. You're like, really? You just yeah. you you do what your family says? Like you're not an independent thinking person? That's well, so I'm weird. not a super cowardice. I changed that eight years ago. So oh, you did, yeah. But I just don't even understand. People are raised and they're like, no, we're we're a Republican family. You don't think yeah. for yourself? Oh, I'm right. a Democratic family. We always vote for Hillary. You don't think for yourself? Anyway. I am just hoping that she does not win. Did you see the movie Election? Oh, of course. One of the best comedies ever. Yeah. Tracy Flick. I mean, that's Hillary Clinton. I mean, she's right. Tracy Flick. And I feel like Matthew Broderick in the movie being like, God, this person, I really hope she does not win. Yeah. No, that's all right. I like the comp. Who's the, what's his face? Chris, uh, the, the, the Klein or, or the guy, Chris Klein. The is dumb that guy. That's like Dan yeah. Quayle. Yeah. Or who's that? You know? There's nobody, there's nobody now who's that, who's like that. Okay. Right. I, mean, uh, I love that character. He was like a nice guy, but he was really dumb. <laughs> yeah, I love that guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he like voted. He, he wouldn't vote for himself. He thought it was wrong. You know, it's, and that's why he lost. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I think I think 15 years after the movie came out, it's, I think it's, it's okay. okay to talk yeah. about it. Uh, now, Alexander Payne's one of the best uh, directors of our generation. He's awesome. Yeah, that was, that was a good movie. What, oh, did he do Sideways? Was that him? Yep. 
Yep. Uh, that was like, that's like my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time. Yep. Mine too. That same guy. Same guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. That you, that Miles drinking the spit bucket is you in five years. <laughs> You're going to give me that long, huh? Yeah, I, yeah, I'll give you a little leeway. Okay. Uh, right. So it's going slow. All right, man. Well, happy birthday. Uh, hope you. you had a good time. 34 years old. It's a very, it's, I don't know. It's fine. It's not that bad. Is it midlife crisis time or I still nah, got No, nah, you got a few years. Five years when I'm drinking out of the, the wine bucket. All right. Exactly. Fair enough. You got a few years. All right. All right, man. All right. All right. Take it easy, man. Good talking to you. We'll, we'll catch up again next week. All right. You too, Liz. That's Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports. It's Chris Liss of RotoWire. This is the East Coast Offense Podcast brought to you by FanDuel.com. You can go to FanDuel.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner, use my code RWPOD. That's R-W-P-O-D. Sign up now. Special offer for new users. You get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $25 deposit. You must sign up with the code RWPOD. R-W-P-O-D. That's more than $60 in value for just 25 bucks. Don't forget to use my code R-W-P-O-D. Fandle.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today.